um, we were talking about how we celebrated Independence Day, but we, we committed and recommitted our dependence on the Lord, our dependence on the Lord. Who's totally dependent on him? All right, now this time when you put your hand up, I want you to do a roar. Who's totally dependent on him? Uh, I like it. I like it. I like it. And so we did a prayer last week, and we read a, we read a, um, a declaration, a declaration, um, and, you know, that declaration was today as believers and followers of Jesus Christ, we declare our total dependence on you, Father God. We're dependent on you, King Jesus. We're dependent on you, Holy Spirit. Father God, we're dependent on your holy perspective found in your holy scriptures. We're totally dependent on your holy name, Jesus, and your great love. We ask you to help us to live lives individually and collectively as representatives of your church. We're committed to living lives that reflect your kingdom culture coming here, your will being done here, now, on earth, just as it is in heaven. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. That was our statement last week. And we're committed to that kind of thing. But, not but, to add on to that, how do we live it out daily? How do we live it out daily? You know, next week, we're going to do, um, we're going to have communion, communion, we're going to have baptism. And our baptism time is going to be, it's going to be rich. And, um, and we're, going to, we're going to share some things. In fact, it'll, next week it'll be me. He doesn't even know it yet, but it'll be me and Dino. Uh, Dino and I will be sharing together next week. <laughs> we're going to talk about baptism. As we, as we dunk people, that's really what it is, it's dunking. We're not going to be sprinkling. We're going down in the water and then coming back up. And we're excited um, about that. How do we live it out every day? When we were in our uh, sort of membership expressions, what does it mean to be a member here at, Christ, at, uh, at High Street Worship, almost at Christ Community, at High Street Worship, uh, Vandella, uh, she shared something in our morning class from Galatians 2.20. It says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live in the flesh. That, now that I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So that life that I now live, how do I live this thing out? You know, getting baptized on, on Sunday is, is one thing. How do I live it out? You know, accepting Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior is wonderful. How do I live it out? You know, when I lead people to Jesus, you know, Father, I, you know, I ask you to um, change me, cause me to be born again. Come into my life. Change my heart forever. I want to feel your healing touch. Take the hurt and the sin away. I believe that Jesus loves me. I believe that Jesus lived for me. He died for me. He was buried for me. You raised him up from the dead for me. I declare Jesus Christ to be Lord of my life. And I ask you to help me as I walk this out. We, we got to walk it out. That declaration we read last week, we prayed last week, but now what? How do I live it out? How do I walk it out? The last of the five 
staples, if you will, that talk about the scent of this house, love, unity, the word of God, humility, Holy Spirit. He's the one that helps us walk it out. You got to live it out. And as Pastor Mark Arstadt stated a few weeks ago, it's more than just a feeling. And for those that think its limit, his limit is speaking in tongues, there's so much more. Can we not, can we not minimize the very power that exists in the Spirit of God to just an emotional experience. Emotional experience. So much so that society even puts it in the movies like that. There's this movie called The Italian Job. Anybody ever see The Italian Job? Yeah, no, okay. Just a couple. It's a really cool movie. Uh, um, you got to be careful when you watch certain movies because um, it makes you root for guys that are stealing because they're attractive and they're cool and they're nicer than the bad, bad guy. And so you got to be careful when you root, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, you just, you just got to be careful. But anyway, in that, in that movie, um, one of the guys, he was a techie guy, and he was at the airport, you know, waiting for some bags to come. And in his ear, he was trying to listen to see how much money really came in and how much money they stole. And it turns out that there were a few more zeros in the end. And he heard it and he screamed in the middle of the station. People looked at him and he's like, woo! And he's like, oh, got the Holy Spirit. It's a good train. You got to get on it. That's really a good indication of how we do things. We limit him and his power, his presence, to just that, a feeling, a move. Even as Stephen plays the piano, and I play the piano, and they're friends of mine, even like Mark, Pastor Mark, plays, plays the, the organ, and there's certain chords that move you emotionally. There's a chord there's certain chord changes that the musician will either play on a piano or a guitar or whatever, and it'll, it'll get you. And sometimes even as a preacher, someone can, you can speak in a certain way and it'll be emotional. And you're like, oh man, I felt the Spirit of God. And I'm not saying you can't feel him. We should feel him. It's an access point to the heart. But what we shouldn't do is limit what he can do just in a feeling. Does that make sense? And so after we've talked about love, unity, the word of God, humility, which again is the soil from which all of the fruit grows. I'm quoting Andrew Murray in his book, Humility. It's a great book. You should get it. Um, Holy Spirit is the one that has been left here as part of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God Holy Spirit. He's here, and he's here by the will of the Father through the prayer of Jesus who says, I'm leaving, but I'm going to pray the Father will send 
the Holy Spirit, the comforter. It's not just a there, there, there comforter rubbing your back. No, he gives you every type of comfort. Anything that you need, he is the comforter. He's got so many other attributes that go along with that, but he's here and he's for us and with us and he's the reason anything that gets done, gets done. But I want to give you a priority verse today. I'm going to give you a few passages. I'm going to give you a priority verse today that you should keep always. And it helps you as he leads you. And then as we wrap it up, I'll invite you in on a personal journal entry of how the Father instructs me as an individual, and it's not just me. It's just an example that he wants to talk to you, and he wants to lead you in the walking it out. So how do I walk it out? How, when I leave this place here, 1105 High Street, Burlington, New Jersey, how, when I leave this building, how do I continue to walk out my commitment to dependence, total dependence on God in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit? That's what we need. That's where we are right now. We're now, how do we live it out? How do we live it out? So, I want to give you a couple passages that I've shared with you before, but um, I want to give you, I want to unpack it a little bit more. Uh, Jesus says something. He says, I only say, everybody say this after me. I will lead you in that when you say it after me. I only say what I hear the Father saying, and I only do what I see the Father doing. I'm going to say it again. I only say what I hear the Father saying, and I only do what I see the Father doing. So when Jesus is saying this, he's saying this as a human. He's laid down on purpose his authority as God the Son and his ability to move like. He's chosen to move like us, being filled, because we get a chance to be filled, with the Holy Spirit. And he says, he doesn't say this seated on the right hand of the Father, no. He doesn't say this from eternity past, where he told one group, before Abraham was, I am. He's not saying it like that. He is saying it as a man with flesh and blood, but he is of the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, to show you can be the same way, and this is how I live. This is how I live it out. How do I live it out? I only say what I hear the Father say, and I only do what I see the Father doing. 
Everybody, one more time. I only say what I hear the Father saying. I only do what I see the Father doing. Now, there's a lot of development with that. So let's not look at those statements and say, oh, good, I just turn it on, turn it off. No, there's development. We have to learn how to hear like Jesus heard and how to see like Jesus saw, okay? He, th he said in one place, he was about to leave. This is in St. John. He says, the things that I'm doing, greater than these, because I'm going to go to the Father, and the very spirit that is on me and in me, I'm going to give to you. He's going to come on you. That's why I say, don't, don't, don't get tricked into thinking that being filled with the Spirit and having the Spirit of God on you is just an emotional experience. No. We are ambassadors on the earth. That's, that's the way I pray these days. I haven't always prayed like that, you know, growing up as a Christian and even young men in my 20s and my 30s and my 40s. I learned how to say certain things. And one of the things that I had to learn how to say was, that we are ambassadors for Christ in the earth. We represent him in the earth. That's why I prayed over Rods the way I did. I prayed that he is an ambassador of heaven to Brazil. And so when, when he moves, he's moving for the Father God. Doesn't need to be spooky. Doesn't need to be walking around shaking every time he says something. It doesn't have to be, thus saith the Lord. No. Just in practical application, just like Jesus meeting the woman at the well who was bound up. He said, hey, can you give me some water? Or Zacchaeus who was hiding in the tree. He said, hey, man, I want to have dinner at your house. I mean, he's very practical. And we got to learn how to practically live it out. In St. John chapter 4, Jesus' plan was, hey, guys, go get some food. I'll wait here till you come back. But because he's always listening and because he's always seeing, he's learned how to do that. While they were gone for food, the Holy Spirit leads him to talk to this woman. The woman, in fact, gets free and brings the whole town out to see Jesus. When the disciples come back to Jesus, the guy who was hungry, they said, hey, we've got the food. Jesus' response was, man, I, had, I got meat that y'all know anything about. I can see Peter probably getting offended. What? <laughs> we went and got all this food. But what was happening? Jesus was moving with real-time intel from the Holy Spirit that was showing him how to set people free. We all need to know how to do that. And it's not just for these great things, I led somebody to Jesus, these great miracles, I prayed for someone and they got healed, or this great revelation, I got a, a word of wisdom, a supernatural fix to a situation and it worked out, 
Sometimes we celebrate the big, but we miss the small. The enemy is trying to bring a spirit of depression on me because I've been going through something financially or I've been going through something physically or I've been having this relationship issue. And so now I'm having a hard time sleeping at night. Well, do you know that the Father is still doing and the Father is still speaking? And we need to know what he is saying and how to tap into that. So over the next few months, we're going to learn how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. We're going to learn how to hear the voice of God. And I want you to know, God does, doesn't just talk to preachers. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and a stranger they won't follow. So we're going to unpack it on these Wednesdays coming. I have some others coming to teach, and even some within the house will teach. Um, and we're going to learn how to hear God's voice personally for us individually, also for those that God sends us to. And it might be someone like Rods that he sends to a foreign country like Brazil, his homeland, foreign to us. But for many of us, it's going to be for those that he sends to in the marketplace, at the supermarket, at the bank, on our street. We might be at a gym. We might be riding public transportation. In fact, you might be sitting in the back seat of an Uber driver, and God supernaturally gives you a word of freedom and hope for that driver that sets them free. You guys receiving this? But we got to learn. We got to learn. So I'll get a little personal in a little bit, but um, we're going to go through this journey. So let's start off in this, um, this title and where we are. Our total dependence on God, and we'll use a part two from last week, but it's still coming under that whole deal with the Holy Spirit. So let's go to uh, Proverbs chapter four, and we'll read verses 18 to 27 out of the New Living Translation. Proverbs chapter four, and read this out of the New Living Translation, and we'll go from verse, what did I say we were going to go? For 18 to 27. Now, when you, when you write this down, I want you to put down priority verse in my life. When you write down Proverbs 4, 18, put priority verse, this next to it, in my life. There's some verses that have to be priority for me. And I'm not saying that there aren't many verses in the Bible that can be priority. Yeah, I've got tons. I've got tons. And if you talk to me long enough, you'll hear me, you'll hear me say, oh, that's a favorite verse of mine. Oh, that's a favorite verse of mine. Mark chapter 4, favorite verse of mine. Foundation, the seed and the sower helps me to make sure my heart is always cultivated to receive the word. It's the parable of the sower and the seed. It's a priority verse for me. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, priority verse for me. Because it lets me know with all the relationships that it talks about in the book of Ephesians that we don't fight flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and the rules of the darkness of this world. 
spiritual, high, spiritual wickedness in high places. In other words, what I'm looking at isn't really the issue. There are priority verses that are in my life. This is a priority verse. The way of the righteous is like first gleam of dawn. This is Proverbs 4.18, which shines ever brighter until the full light of day. King James Version says the path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter. What does that mean for me? That means that as I stay walking with God, listening to God, whatever dark place I may be in, it's going to be brighter and brighter. Why? God's promise says the path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter. Gets brighter and brighter. And even for things that I may not get right now, as I continue to stay close to the Father, it's going to open up to me. It's going to open up to me. And that's why for years... I've sown. I heard things like that when I was 20 years old. A pastor told me, girl just broke up with me. I was standing in the rain, 51st and Haverford Avenue on a Saturday morning, and she says, yeah, I'm not going in that direction. And I left her with the umbrella, and I walked home in the rain. Later on, I called my pastor. I told him the situation. He said, son, if you could climb up into heaven, if God would let you climb up and then just look over like a ledge and see your life, you'd be so excited. You'd come down and you'd live for Jesus with energy and speed like never before. That was when I was 20 years old. This year would have been 40 years ago. And I cannot tell you how God has blessed my life. It has been amazing after amazing. It doesn't mean that there hasn't been pitfalls and challenges and wounds and hurt. But he's been with me in my path of, my, of me being a righteous person has gotten brighter and brighter and brighter. Oh, and by the way, you know, the girl lost out because, I mean, come on. Come on. Come on. And I pray for her. God bless her. You know. So... I want you to read all of this because this is going to go to 27 and we're going to pause at 23 because that's really going to help. The way of the righteous is like first gleam. I'll go, you go back to that just for a second just so we can lead in. The way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn which shines ever brighter until the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like total darkness. They have no idea what they're stumbling over. And remember, in humility, that's not for us to look at people who don't know God and to even, you know, celebrate and point a finger at catastrophe or the fact that they're stumbling. It's for our heart to say, Lord, help them to see you. Like that Helen Baylor song from back in the 80s, can you reach my friend? You're the only one who can. Lord, I know you love them. Help them understand. Can you reach my friend? Bring their searching to an end. Help them give their life to you. We're always looking for those who don't know God to come to know God. Those who don't have the good father that we have to come to have the good father that we have. I adopted a, a daughter, a goddaughter, years ago, and she used to get jealous. And she used to say, why are you, why, I thought I was the only one. I thought I was the special one. Is, oh, no, if I would be like that, then I wouldn't be like God. 
Because God is always opening up his family. He's always inviting people in. And so we need to look at it like that. And so when you read a passage of Scripture that says, the wicked are like those who are walking in darkness and stumbling, may that cause compassion to rise up in you. And that we pray for those who don't, who don't know. Verse 20 says, my child... Pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Now remember, this is all priority. This is what grounds you. This is what grounds you as an individual because your hope is in God. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart for they will bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Now, I don't have time to unpack every part of this, but I just want you to know these are principles that stabilize you, and they stabilize you whether you're old, middle-aged, or young. Doesn't matter what denomination you have, because I tell you, look, there are, when Jesus was talking about building your house on a rock, and when the storm comes and the wind blows, there are, no, there are no Pentecostal storms. There are no Baptist storms. There are no Assemblies of God storms and Catholic storms. No, there's no charismatic storms. There are storms. And we need to have the kind of stability in God that when the storm comes, we can hear the voice of God. We can see what he's doing. Now here, of all of these verses that I'm reading, this one sticks out the most to me. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. One translation says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it comes the issues of life. You know, it says, it says it's a wellspring that overflows. That's what your heart is, so you got to protect it. Yeah, guard your heart now. When you make a decision that you're going to be totally dependent on God, you better guard your heart. And you say, I only want to say what the Father says. I only want to do what I see him do. You better guard your heart. Or guard, or guard your heart. The next verse, verse 24 says, avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Now, what is perverse talk and corrupt speech. It's anything that goes against what God says. So it's not just me using profanity. It's also when God says, I love you, for you to listen to the lie of the enemy when he tries to tell you God doesn't love you, God's not for you. See, he's the God of hope. And so when the enemy tries to get your words, Pastor Mark was talking about using your words, aligning your words up with God's words. Now you've got, you've got heaven coming. And Jesus said it. He says, you're going to stand in judgment, not the final judgment, but you're going to get what comes out. He says, you're going to stand in judgment for every idle, inoperative, non-working word that comes out of your mouth. He says, you're going to stand in judgment for that. And again, that's not a punishment judgment. That's you're going to get the results judgment. So he says, by your words, you're justified. By your words, you're locked up. You're condemned. So we've got to make sure that when it comes to perverse talk, things that don't line up with God, I don't want to say it. 
I don't want to say it. I want to put a guard over my mouth. I put a guard over my mouth. As much as I may want to say it, I want to learn like Jesus did. I want to learn how to say only what the Father says. I want to do only what the Father does. That's going to be a benefit for me, but it's also going to be a benefit for those around me. And that should be the scent of the house in all of the temples, whether it's this temple, the temple you live in at home, wherever your address is, or you as an individual. The Bible calls us as Christians the temple of the Holy Spirit. Verse 25, it says, look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Verse 26. It says, mark out the straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. And finally, verse 27. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Evil. Now, I will tell you, evil is anything that goes against what God has said. Evil isn't just even... Evil isn't just murder and lying and stealing and, and adultery and fornication and lust and pride. and No. Oh, anything that goes against what God says. You know, the children of Israel were kept out of the promised land because there were fornicators and adulterers and complainers, murmurers, unbelievers is what it says in the book of the book of Hebrews, you know, chapter chapter four. And so I, I did all that to let you know that God is light and in him is no darkness. But the enemy will come as an angel of light saying, Oh, don't you feel bad? I don't know if God loves you. I don't know if God's for you. Why don't you say it? Go ahead, just get it out. I don't know if God's for me. Go tell your friend. We've got to be careful of getting ourselves locked into that kind of thing because that's not what the Father says, and that's not what Jesus says. You know what Jesus said when he went after Lazarus had died? Jesus went, knelt down before he went into the, the tomb, and he prayed, Father, I thank you that you hear me and you always hear. Now, when's the last time you said something like that? The religious mind would probably say, oh, I don't know if I want to say that because I don't know if God always hears me. I can't, I can't say that. He always hears. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. He always hears me. And you know who my model is? You know who my coach is? Jesus, by the way of the Holy Spirit. Because that's what the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit always reminds me what Jesus says. Holy Spirit doesn't have his own agenda. He's always building me up, coaching me up. And so I want to I give you some points, some access points to your heart. Access points to your heart. Because your heart isn't just, you know, the center of you. And I'm not talking about your physical heart that beats I'm talking about the first part of you as a tripart being. You are spirit, you are soul, and you are body. Spirit, primarily, that's the part that's been born again. That's the real you. It's the center of you. 
It's the part that God changed. When you became a son or a daughter of God, it happened in your spirit. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Your soul is made up of your mind, your intellect, your will, and your emotions. And your body has those feelings and gives you the energy for tasks. But the spirit, that's the part. And that's the heart part that you want to guard. You want to guard. You want to protect that. You want anything getting in. You want anything messing up the pipeline between the father and you, the son and you. You don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. He's trying to give you things in your heart, the center of you, and then, you know, you're pushing him away. Say, no, no, no. You want to be wide open. You don't want to let any of that junk, any of that dirt get in. Why? Out of your heart comes the forces of life. Your very life, the very life of God comes out of the heart. Now, as a little boy, a uh, little boy, when I was a uh, teenager, I went to West Philadelphia High School, right on 47th and Chestnut Street in West Philly. And I remember coming out of gymnasium. I remember like it was yesterday looking at this water fountain. And there's all of this dirt and junk and chips and paper and grime. And it caused the flow of the spring. I pushed the, the fountain and it was just a little bit of a bubble coming out. And it's because it was clogged up. Lord took me back to that years later. He showed me that. He said, remember that? Pastor Terry, God talked to you like that? Absolutely. And we're going to show you how to hear the voice of God in these coming months. And, and your practice of allowing the Holy Spirit to talk to you is going to give you your own, you're going to be able to hear him. You'll be able to hear him. And it's not for personal glory. It's so that everything he shows you to do and tells you to do, you can be healed and free and delivered, and then you can go and set other people free. Thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, I came that you might have life and have a bunch of it. It ought to overflow. It's the very life of God. That's that wellspring in Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart. Keep the mouth of that heart open to God but guard it against the other stuff that'll try and come in. What are the gates to the heart? It's your eyes, it's your ears, it's your words, it's your mind. That's the, it guards, it guards your heart, these are gates. And it helps your will and your emotions to be strengthened for God. So your ears, your eyes, your mind, and then there's the will and the emotion that move and feel. So you put those up. I don't know if you have those to, to put up on the screen. These are the access points of the heart. Access points of the heart. Uh, the access points. So let me just give them to you. So these are your ears. The ears is the access point to your heart. The ears of our heart is where we hear God's voice. The eyes of your heart is where we see visions from God. The mind of the heart is where we ponder what God has spoken to us and what he has shown us. I'm going to go back over these. 
The will of the heart is where we establish conviction and speak them forth. What are you convinced of? That's why God wants your will and his will to be aligned. So that when you speak, you're speaking with conviction. I know my redeemer lives, is what one guy said. And then the emotions of our heart is where we feel God's emotion, and they move us to action. And so what do we have? We have the, uh, the ears of the heart. We have the eyes of the heart. We have the mind of the heart. We have the will of the heart, and we have the emotions of the heart. Ears, eyes, mind, will, emotions. And we got to guard that. We got to guard it. We got to guard it. So, Psalm chapter 73, as we wrap this up, verse 16 and 17. And you've seen me with Psalm 73 quite a bit. It's the psalm of a guy who had gotten off track until he did something. It's a guy named Asaph, and it's almost like his journal entry. And this is what he says in the middle of it. Saw all this stuff going on, started getting messed up. And he says, still, when I tried to figure it out, all I got was a splitting headache. Now, if you could do that in the New American Standard Version, I don't know if you guys can find that one, N-A-S-B, here it is. It says, when I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight. You ever been to that place? Where here you are trying to figure something out, and you're getting a headache, you're getting overwhelmed, you're getting messed up, you're getting worn out. And go, back to the, go back to the message Bible for me. It says, still, when I tried to figure it out, all I got was a splitting headache. Look what the next verse says. Until I entered the sanctuary of God, then I saw the whole picture. So we're talking about being able to guard your heart. How do you guard your heart? I want you to look at another passage of Scripture. This is Isaiah chapter 1, the beginning of verse 18. <clears throat> look at what he says. He says, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. How are you reasoning? I remember when I started growing in this area, the Lord told me, he says, I never want you to reason outside of my presence. Never try to figure anything out outside my presence. Doesn't matter what it is, make sure you involve, you involve me. So I've given you two passages of scripture. Now I'm gonna get real personal here for a minute. It's a personal scripture. It's a personal conversation a few years ago that I'm having with God, and I put it in my journal. Whenever I talk to him in a journal setting, and I use journal, especially early on, to learn how to hear his voice. Because I would journal, and then I would let people who were bigger than me read my journal. I said, hey, does this sound like God? Sometimes we write things and we read things, we put things down, say, so, yeah, I was journaling with God. 
and this is, and it's, sometimes it's a mess. Sometimes it's horrible. Because we're thinking that God is damning us and mad at us and upset with us. He's not for us. And we put it all in the journal. Lord, I know you, you're mad with me. I know you're not following me anymore. I know I'm not your child. Make me your child again. That's a horrible journal entry for a Christian. I'm not trying to knock you or point an accusing finger at you. I'm trying to get you back on track to let you know the good, good father doesn't talk like that. He says, he says, if you being just normal parents know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your father? Good gifts. He says, I love you, and I loved you with an everlasting love. And so here's a journal entry of these two passages of Scripture. And I asked the Lord, what do you want to say to me about these two verses? What were the two verses? The first verse was, the first verse was uh, uh, Psalm 73. He says, the more I pondered it, it was too much for me. The more I tried to figure it out, it gave me a splitting headache. Isaiah 118. He's come now. Let's reason together. Let's talk about this thing. I want you to reason. I asked the Lord, and I'm reading right now, of my entry. Lord, what do you want to say to me about these two verses? And this is what God said to me. Terry, I have given you the ability to reason. It is a full capacity. It's complete with ideas, vocabulary, understanding, and strategic planning. It's good and in it, there is nothing to pull back from. Use it to its full capacity and grow in it in every way. There is only one condition, Terry. Never use it apart from me. Don't attempt to use this ability apart from my spirit. We must do this together, otherwise, there will be failure. I am everything you need. Even in your successful reasoning, there is no figuring things out apart from divine, divine reasoning. Therefore, make it a part of you, the first part of you. It's the best part that I've given you. Be quick to invite me first to invite my spirit in first. My presence is paramount in your life, son. It's the highest point and the deepest root. For this reason, you must always start with me when you're trying to figure things out. Avoid dwelling and meditating on anything without me. Allow me to walk with you as you dream and imagine and think. I'll keep you close. I'll give you good counsel and good results. I will not fail you. So there is no need to fear that you have to do the thinking for yourself. If you allow us to do it together, then I'll bring my great understanding. It'll be amazing because I love you. That's the picture. Now, I don't want you to look and say, oh, Pastor Terry, that's because you're a pastor. Oh, Pastor Terry. No. I was moving in God for decades before I had to pause 
and change my language. Somebody said to me once, how do you know you hear God's voice? I used to say things like, <clears throat> excuse me, I used to say things like, you just know that you know that you know. And that was horrible counsel. That was horrible counsel for others. It was horrible counsel for me. And so we paused. And when I say decades, I'm t look, Pam and I together, we paused, took a year off to really learn how to hear God's voice. It's a pause. And then we took a whole congregation through it. We want you to learn how to hear, hear God's voice. Learn how to quiet your spirit down. Learn how to fix your eyes on Jesus. Learn how to tune in to spontaneous flow. When thoughts begin to come after you fixed your eyes on Jesus, know that you can trust the thoughts. And then learn how to write it down and be humble enough to let somebody hear and see your journal. Instead of fear or pride, keeping it to yourself. Because you never know if you're hitting the mark or not. Do you have an Eli in your life? Samuel's talking to Eli. He's saying, you called me. Eli said, I didn't call you. He said, I heard somebody call me. He said, it wasn't me. Go back to sleep. He goes back to sleep. God calls him again. He comes to Eli. Eli, you called me. He said, I didn't call you. He says, go back to sleep. Third time he comes, Eli, you called me. He said, oh, oh, I saw this before. God's talking to you. Next time you hear that voice, say, speak, Lord, your servant hears. Samuel goes back, lays down, the voice comes. Samuel, Samuel, Samuel responds. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Do you have an Eli in your life? Or are you trying to do this thing all by yourself? When the enemy comes with depression and fear and anxiety and guilt and shame, you dealing with it on your own? Or do you have an Eli in your life? Bigger than you. And not just for those kinds of temptations that come. Sometimes... It's the kind of stuff that's just way off and way wrong. So I want to urge you, urge you, learn how to hear the voice of God. When you, here's your homework assignment for the week. When you read a passage of scripture, quiet yourself down. Get out a pen and paper, or like me, I use my pad or my phone, and I say, Lord, what do you want to say to me about this? And then... <laughs> When he starts to talk, write it down. And then let somebody see it. Oh, no, I don't want to let anybody see my stuff. I guarantee you, 90% of you in here don't let people see your journaling. If you journal. I'm not trying to, you know, accuse you or anything. I'm just trying to let you know how much we do life independent from the rest of the body of Christ. The body of Christ is huge. Well, how do I know who to show? How do I know who to talk to? Make sure it's somebody who's bigger than you. Make sure it's somebody who themselves are trying to hear God's voice. And make sure, here's the big one, make sure it's somebody who loves you and doesn't want to dominate you by just projecting their opinions on you. 
because they're not supposed to be telling you what to do or what not to do. They're just supposed to tell you whether or not it sounds like God. Does it sound like God? So I always start my journaling off, Lord, do you love me? Lord, do you love me? Lord, how do you feel about me? I know the answer, but I got to warm things up for my own heart and to put a guard on my heart from the enemy telling me God's not for you, God's against you, God's mad at you. I always want to hear the Father say that he loves me. Look at somebody and say, the Father loves you. Look at somebody else and say, he's for you. He's for, he's for you. He's for you. He's for you. And so this is the way we guard our heart. We got to guard the access points. So don't let junk in and then expect to hear God's voice. All right? If you're having a problem with fear, don't let all of these horror movies get in in the middle of the night. And then when you get all of this stuff in the dreams, say, oh, God, what are you trying to say to me? God's not trying to say anything to you. You're the one that put that thing in there. Or eating fried chicken at 1130 and then going right to sleep. And you're having all these dreams. Guard your heart. Don't watch everything on Facebook. And then try and hear direction from God. Guard your heart. And don't just keep things out. Let the right thing in. Let him in. Don't have so much busyness that you don't have time to sit down and listen to Jesus. Mary's doing all kinds of stuff. And one of our your wonderful young adults who shared that this morning. You know, Mary and Martha, and Martha's doing all kinds of crazy things, serving, 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 and getting frustrated because she's not meeting deadlines. And then she gets mad at Jesus for not making Mary get up and help. And Jesus says about Mary to Martha, he said, he said, Martha, you're troubled about a lot of stuff. Mary has chosen the good part, and I'm not going to take that from her. So you got to fix your eyes on Jesus. Take the time to prioritize listening to him. And I know we live in a society where we got deadlines, we got bills, we got appointments, we got all kinds of things. Trust me. I'm in a crazy busy season of my life right now. But nothing can replace time with the Lord. Nothing. And it's not as a duty, as a rule. Oh, I gotta pray. Oh, I gotta spend time with God. You heard what Pastor Terry said. We gotta sit down and talk to Jesus. Not saying that at all. The reason I talk to him is I love him. Oh man. The Holy Spirit, that's my guy. Everything from finding the keys to learning how to put up a piece of tile to knowing the right time to talk to Pam and even ask her. There are times when she comes home, I already know of things that I have to say to her. It's to encourage her. How'd you know that? She came in one day, she came in one day a couple weeks ago. She walked in 
I came in. I had gone to Wegmans and bought some flowers. I had no idea she was going through something like that day. I walked in with a whole thing of flowers. She, she, <laughs> she said, what? Who told you to do that? Who you been talking to? And she just broke down in the kitchen. And it was, it was a beautiful thing. But that's the beauty of marriage. Beauty in marriage. I was going through some stuff. I was having some, some problems with the board. I'm on a certain board. And I was just having this, man. And I woke up one morning with it. And she walked in. She says, hey. And she sat down on the edge of the bed and just spoke. Man, spoke life to me. That's why if you're married, if you've got a friend, if you've got um, brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, keep that stuff out because you're missing the very power of God. Since two or three are gathered together, you're already the government agents of heaven. And you get to bind and release, just like the emperor says, and he doesn't even have to be here. He says, wherever two or three are gathered, I'm there. Pam and I are sitting on the edge of the bed, and the presence and the power of God came. The wisdom of God came. And it wasn't some spooky thing where she was saying, thus saith the Lord. She's just saying, honey, I think this is what God is saying. And fill me up. And it's the church of Jesus Christ. We have to start moving like that so that we hear what the Father is saying and we do what the Father is doing and get the benefit of ourselves and then we get a chance to bless others. That's how it works. And we are indeed better together. So I know you heard my entry today and I want to help you get your entry. And we're going to have some sessions where we learn how to hear God's voice, where we journal, where we test, where we, we, learn, we get better at it. We get better at it. I think Jesus walked Peter through something after Peter said, you know, Jesus, come to, don't, don't go to the cross and die. And Jesus turned around and said, see, get behind me. You're an offense to me. Well, he was talking to the enemy. But you got to believe they unpacked that. Come on, guys. They were sleeping around each other, eating around each other, hanging all the time. Surely Peter walked up to Jesus, even though it wasn't noted in Scripture, and said, hey, were you calling me the devil? What was going on with that? And so we have to learn how to hear God's voice. And not for glory, not for cockiness, not so we can look down on others, but so that we can be his ambassadors in the earth, first at home, then our community, our city, our state, our region, our world. You guys receive that. Bow your heads where you are. Say these words. Say, Lord, I want to hear you better. I want to hear what you sound like. I want to be able to see what you're doing. And then do it. I don't want anything to keep me from what your plans are for me and through me for others. And so in humility, I say I want to hear you. Help me. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Father God. Help me, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Hey, still with your eyes closed, I want you